Hey, this is Mike with Mathetai. Thank you for joining us for our Mathetai Summer Study. Today we have Pastor Dennis Morales from Calvary Chapel Eastvale. Uh, Dennis is an original board member of Mathetai and a current board member. Uh, he's been on us on several trips with us uh, to Eastern Europe and uh, been a great blessing to our ministry and a great teacher. Uh, I want to make sure to ask you guys to visit mathetai.org for more information on the ministry. And make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, leave a comment, uh, leave a review. It certainly helps us get it out to other people and share it with those that are going to like it. So let's join in with Pastor Dennis and hear uh, his teaching on endurance in the mission. Well, let's, let's pray and uh, we'll get into this. All right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today and just the opportunity just to get into your word Thank you for the clunders opening up their home, Lord God, to uh, facilitate, Lord, just a time for us to be refreshed and encouraged at your feet. And we just pray, Lord, regarding uh, the many things that we maybe have in our hearts this this evening, Lord God, and maybe things, Lord, that may even seem like obstacles to faith. We just pray, Lord, that you would... Um, just see us through, Lord. And that as, as we look at the subject of enduring, Lord, that we would um, that we would know, Lord, that though we work and serve, Lord, that but you are underlying that work, Lord. You're giving us the strength to be able to do um, what we do on a daily basis, whether it be parenting or or um, serving in the church. Uh, being husbands and wives, Lord, you give us the the increase, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for being with us this this afternoon here, and we just pray that you would just um, speak to us. We thank you, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So uh, I just man, what a blessing to be able to be here, and you know I've been here several times, but. Uh, I don't. I don't think I've ever taught here, but but uh, shared a couple times with Mathetai, and but man, it's just a uh, you know. Thank you so much for the the privilege of being able to just get into the Word with you and and just uh, be encouraged together. And you help. You can't help but to be encouraged in the Word, and as you go through it and as you meditate upon it, you know you can't help but to be encouraged. And I'm really encouraged by. Uh, by Paul the Apostle. He's really the epitome of enduring and just being an apostle, a weathered apostle, and the things that he encountered as an apostle. We could just look at the, you you go through the epistles and you could just, you you hear the the heart of a shepherd. You you hear the, uh, the heart of a soldier, the heart of a, the heart of a farmer, the, the, you know, uh, you, you just, you just sense uh, in in the different epistles, just what he's encountering, he could be in prison, or he could be out uh, preaching in the in the this the city squares. But he uh, is one that came to the end of his life, and he said, "I have fought the good fight, I finished the race." Right, and he could say that. He could honestly say that, and it's so. That's something that I that I really contemplate and and really just 
uh, Mike gave me the subject of uh, endurance in in the mission, and uh, you know it's something that I contemplate and and think about, you know, because I I don't, I don't know if you're a lot like me, man. I make mistakes all the time. I fall short every day, and yet God opens doors to to minister and to do things for the ministry, whatnot, and and you come away and thinking, Lord, you know, you were totally in this. And sometimes you you are involved in something and you're you're doing something for you know for maybe a neighbor or uh, you're maybe going to get groceries for somebody and and oh you Lord, you just put this on my heart, so you do it and and then. You go and deliver the groceries, or you go and you pray with the family, or you go and you, uh, whether it be babysitting or, or teaching a Bible study, and you're like, Lord, I, you know, okay, Lord, I'm just going to be obedient to you. And hindsight's twenty twenty. You hear a word from the Lord. Maybe they share something with you. Maybe something that you're going through, and, and they speak into your life. I was just talking to Mark, and he was talking about just that obstacle to faith, you know, maybe that, right, the, and just struggling. And sometimes we could get caught up in our own minds and, and thinking about maybe our shortcomings and our inconsistencies and, and our inabilities. And, and we get caught up in our, in our mind. And he just heard one word from, from a pastor that he was doing work for, one word. And it just, it, it just like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And, and you could see God working. He doesn't, he, a lot of times he's not, he's not in the earthquake, he's not in the wind, but he's in the still small voice. And uh, it's the things that are, that are simple that he's, that he's speaking through. It's not the grandiose things that he's seeking to speak to you through. It's, it's, the, it's the simple things, it's the small things, it's the ordinary things. And, and it, it's up to us to be sensitive and open to his voice. And I, I look at one of the scriptures that I, I see in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 12, and it goes to, to chapter 2, verse 2, this whole section. But I, I look at the things, he's, he, uh, Paul the Apostle, he's talking about the things that he suffered. And uh, he's talking about people that left him. He's talking about people that once served with him and no longer serve with him. And you know, there are certain things along the road of ministry that you encounter in the form of, it could be disappointment, it could be abandonment, you know, maybe people that once were your friends are no longer your friends, and and you experience all these things, and and all these things have their place in our life and ministry to perfect the way of the Lord in your life. And I look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I love this. I, I just love First and Second Timothy. But he says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed in and, per and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words. I love that. Which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He's, he's encouraging uh, young Timothy. And he says, hold fast the pattern of sound words. And look at what he says here. He says that 
good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me. Notice that the obstacles that we encounter in our lives, and one of them being people that abandon you, and in this case it was Phrygelus and Hermogenes, and the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. So, one of the things that's so cool is that he didn't dwell on the people that left him, really. And he really emphasizes the people that are in his corner. And, and they're in his corner in the most difficult of times. And he says, nevertheless, Onesiphorus, uh, Onesiphorus is with me. And he's later on going to say, Demas left me. But notice what he says here. And then he speaks about Priscilla and Aquila. But look at this. Lord grant mercy the household of Onesiphorus. He has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Notice that. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. And the Lord granted him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. And then when you go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 2, he says, You therefore, my son, speaking into Timothy's life, he sa- he's speaking about enduring in the mission. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. Multiply yourself. Don't, don't let what's happening to me hinder you from what God has called you to do and be as a minister, as a faithful minister of the Lord. I, uh, I go back to the Old Testament. I'm going through 1 Samuel right now, and, and we're going into 1 Samuel chapter 18. We just finished set, uh, chapter 16 and 17. And man, there's so many powerful lessons in the book of 1 Samuel. And I, I remember being on staff with Raw. Michelle was on staff with us too at, at, at Golden Springs. And Raw, it seemed like he was forever uh, teaching leadership out of 1 Samuel. It, it was like forever. And, but, but really, teaching through it now for the second time, I could see, wow, there's so many principles of leadership in, in this book. And I could see why. But remember that when David slew Goliath, that the, the song of the day, the, the top 40 song or the top 10 song was Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. You remember that? And, you know, I, I think about just the things that people say, and, and though they may have an appearance of wisdom, or maybe uh, they, they may have uh, a tone or overtone of, of emotion of the day, but what really matters to the Lord is, is what matters to us. And, and really, you can see in David's life, what, you know, they could say any, anything they want, but what really mattered to him is it was the Lord. And that's what set him apart as a man of after his own heart. And so, um, as you walk through life, you think about it, as you walk through faith and through mountaintops, and many of us will experience those times of being on the mountaintops, but most of the time, like Oswald Chambers says, the, the real work is done in the valley. Sometimes he'll take us to those pinnacles, to experience the blessings and the highs of the, but most of the time we're in the valley. That's where the real work is done in us and through us. But, you know, we, we go through these times, but I, I think 
with the subject of endurance, there's a guiding factor, right? There's, there, there has to be a guiding factor in our lives. And, and here we see Paul the Apostle seeking to guide young Timothy. And that's the question, I believe, for the evening is who is guiding you and who is guiding me? And I, I think about who's in my life and um, who do I have in my life in the form of accountability? You know, who do we have in our lives in the form of accountability, making sure that we don't fail in our marriage, making sure that we don't fail in ministry? Who do we have in our lives today that encourage us in the things of the Lord and making sure that we live biblically and obediently? And who's telling us um, uh, and encouraging us to get up and to to move forward? Um Paul the Apostle's speaking about individuals that are in his corner. And, and these are individuals that probably even Paul as an apostle, these people spoke into his life. You know, he speaks about one Onesiphorus and opening up his household, no doubt, even, even though he was an apostle and a writer of 14 books of the New Testament, a master theologian, he was a man and he was human just like you and I. And he experienced discouragement. You know, we, we see uh, there was a situation, remember, where he said, remove this thorn from me, you know. And Jesus turned to him and said, my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, I'm strong. And so uh, we know that he had episodes where he wondered and, and he was uh, struggling. But you look at Paul's life and... And he was a man who ran the race well. He ran the, the race well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cliche, but I think it's, it, it's, it should be said. It's, you know, it's, it's a long obedience. I, I shared on that today, just the, the long obedience of life. It's not, a, it's not just a short-term obedience. It's, it's something that uh, of a... Of a an obedience that God has called us to that is lifelong. And in our obedience, we set up boundaries in our lives. And that plays into our endurance as we continue in ministry in this life. We, we see in obedience that there's boundaries set up in our lives. We see football, there's out of bounds, there's boundaries in football. If you take away the boundaries of football, it changes the game totally, completely. If you take away the foul lines in in baseball, what does it become? It becomes cricket, basically. You know, it becomes a whole different game. And I, I think the same thing with us as, as believers today, you know, just understanding the important factor of, of not only having people in our corner, but the, the factor of obedience in our lives. Um, and understanding that, that there, there's, there's boundaries in our lives. There's, there's, uh, uh, those times where we, are called upon just to simply trust and obey the Lord. And I think we look at Paul's life, and, and like I said, he's a, a man who ran the race well, and he fought the good fight with everything in him. He kept um, the faith in every season of life. Um, we don't know if he had a wife at one time. I, would, I think he did because he was a member of the Sanhedrin. You have to be married to be a member of the Sanhedrin. And so... I think that 
maybe he lost notoriety in uh, amongst his peers because of him coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe his wife left him. Uh, we don't know. Maybe she died. We don't know. But he experienced the loss of his wife, the, the loss of status, the rejections, beatings, sickness, abandonment. And, and now he says, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and have, yeah, and have kept the faith. I love that. And I, I pray that I'm able to say that on, on my deathbed. I'm, I pray that I come to the end of, of my life and I'm able to say those words. And Paul, he's sitting in a Roman prison and he's facing death and and uh, he can turn to Timothy and say, I've fought the good fight, and I've kept the faith. And he gave his life for the gospel. He never wavered. That's one of the things that's so cool about Paul. He, he never wavered. And, and you know, I, I just, I, I think about just this last year, and I, I could think in my mind at least 10 families that are no longer with us at at church and I think about what pandemic and what the opportunity to uh, really what this has done is really just open up the opportunity for people to be loose in their walk with the Lord and and I think about families that are no longer with us I think about um, I, I think about maybe what they're enduring uh, I think about if they're if they're fearful, and I think about those things, and I wonder. And that's just that's just me. That's my heart, and I I, I wonder about them, and and I, I find myself praying for them, and uh, but I think about the many people through last year that are no longer around, and you can go to church and you can say, man. I remember that family that used to sit in, in those seats right there. Where are they? And you're thinking to yourself, what is going on? Are they really watching online? <laughs> you know, are they really watching online? Because, you know, what? When, you know, we have Facebook and stuff with uh, with uh, the church. And you can see it has a little ticker, right? And you can see when they check in. Hey, church out. And, you know, they check in five minutes and then they check out, right? And, or, or maybe they check in towards the end of the study. And, hey, church out. And, you know, but I can, I can see when they're, when they're tuning in, when they're not. But, you know, that's really what's, it happened in this last year. A lot of people have just really been challenged. And I, I think many people have grown weary in the battle. And, I think really uh, the test of endurance has been 2020 for many of us. And um, as a church, you know, um, you know, as a pastor and, you know, just pastoring a church, it's, it's been a difficult season and you really don't know what your church really looks like anymore. And uh, even though we're back and we're indoors, there was a time, Hamishel, we were outside uh, we we did this online thing for maybe three weeks, and I said I'm done with it. You know, I'm talking into a camera. You gotta laugh at your own jokes. <laughs> you know, you gotta you gotta try to you you, you, you literally you gotta visualize a crowd, right? And 
And uh, it's just so, it, you know, it could be uncomfortable, but, but I got used to it. And you get used to it and you just push through it. But I just said, you know what? The church needs to be together. And, and in May of last year, we, I approached the parks and recreation there in, in Eastville where we're at and just said, you know what? It, it, would it be possible for us to be able to rent the park and, and have church here? And at first they were kind of like, well, let's take it to the board and see what happens. And the guy that I spoke with, I'm a believer and I would really like to see you out there. And, and so what happened is that the Lord opened the door, like blew the door wide open. And at first we had to do, um, these, uh, permits to be able to do it. And then after a while they just said, don't worry about it. And, we we had to put them on our insurance uh, on our on our waiver and uh, and name them as insured, but we did that. And uh, but for over a year we were outside, over a year, a year and four or five months, four months, and and we I, I we saw families and. And they were just so excited and it was just, they needed to be together. And, and I thought, man, you know what? It, this is, this is, I'm talking to cars now. Now I'm not talking to camera, but I'm talking to cars. I don't know it. I don't see anybody's faces. And after a while, a couple months, people started sitting outside their cars and then they set up easy ups. And after a while, they, they'd group together all the kids. And, and so we had to open up the easy up or the gazebo to have kids ministry and, and things. They, they began to, to, uh, open up and be a little bit more bold in their faith and, and not walk in fear. And, um, you know, I could see that that we were given an opportunity to, to, in a storm, to weather that storm. And, and I, we saw God meet our needs. And still, even though we were outside, I didn't know what the church looked like because not everybody would come to church every week. And, um, but then we had the last time, huh, we had the last service in the park. This is the last service in the park. It seems like everybody came out of the woodworks, you know, and yeah, we were watching online. I said, all right, you're watching online. I was thinking, I'm sure you were, but all right. But, <laughs> But anyways, it was good to see them, and uh, but then there's a lot of families that have not made made it through, and uh, I struggle with that, and uh, it's hard it's hard to see, and um, and it it's not that they're going to another church; they're not. They're just they're just doing other things. Other things took precedence, you know. There was no accountability, and and Paul, we see. He very much. I'm having trouble hearing you. That I can't tell you how that always happens. Huh? Siri gets involved, and she wants to. She wants to know what's going on, where I'm at, and what point I'm at in my sermon. She does it during the message on Sunday. She does it during the message on Wednesdays. And and look at she tries to jump in here, but yeah, I know. <laughs> so he says, you know, basically, Paul the, the Apostle, he's saying in this verse in 2 Timothy 4, 7, that he fought for the right things, he finished, his faith never wavered. And I, I um, in looking at this, what's the prayer of our life this evening? What's the prayer of our life? Um, one of the things that we could decipher from 2 Timothy is that he didn't do it alone, and he didn't accomplish it alone. And you can't fight the fight of faith alone. 
You know, I, you know, we, we are blessed to have our wives and our husbands to be able to walk through this life. And uh, though many times difficult, but still we have um, our wives, our spouses to be able to walk us through and see us through. And one of the things that uh, we understand through scriptures that we can't run this race alone. So, um, but that's the question, who's by our side? Who's by our side? And what's the mission? I, I love Jesus's words when he, when, you know, really you think about one of the first things he said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. And I think that's, that, that is in line with, I think, with, I, I think most of our uh, missions as ministers and and faithful servants is Lord. I what's important to you is important to me, and uh, being faithful in in studying the Word and having an answer for those that would have questions, and to be faithful in it, giving a reason for the hope that's in us, and being students of the Word and just really just um, being ready for the opportunity. And I, I just, I love that about uh, the Lord. He took advantage of every opportunity. His, his mission field was, was any person that was open to hear. And sometimes it was sinners. Sometimes it was tax collectors. And uh, very rarely it was a Pharisee. You know, uh, very rarely it was, it was somebody that um, was a religious person. But... Um, uh, we see Nicodemus, he was open to the Lord, he was a Pharisee, but uh, Jesus would often reach out to those in need. And and um, uh, you think about Paul's testimony and where he came from and and what he endured, and and he says in 2 Timothy 1.15, I love this, he says, This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phrygellus and Hermogenes. So here are the obstacles now. Uh, and in in our race, there's going to be obstacles that the enemy wants to uh, lay in the way and and try to trip us up. And one of the one of the I think one of the ways that the enemy loves to try to trip us up is in in the form of of people that that betray us. And you know. These are people that you shared just intimate times with and, and they're no longer with you. And, and maybe they're a part of different other or other circles. And, and maybe you hear through the grapevine, you know, at, you know, they don't share about too many things that are favorable about you or, or whatnot. And, you know, Michelle and I have, have encountered that as, as pastors, we poured into people. We've spent time in their homes. I've, done their weddings and for whatever reason they jump ship or they leave and um a, a lot of times there isn't any reason but what has god called us to do just to stay focused on the mission of spreading the gospel of jesus christ and making sure that we're open and ready to give a reason for the hope is in us. And he says in verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he has refreshed me and is not ashamed of my chain. Having those people in your corner, like I said, that are not ashamed, in this case, 
There were people that turned away from Paul because they didn't want to be associated with him because maybe they didn't want to be, you know, ostracized or persecuted themselves or put in jail themselves. So, you know what, I'm going to turn a blind eye to, to Paul and maybe avoid him. But Onesiphorus didn't do it. He didn't do that. He stuck with him. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. And then you go all the way to uh, chapter 4. And you look at chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. And you look at verses 9 through 22. And chapter 4. And he says, uh, now this is Paul the Apostle. He's alone. But what does he do? He says, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. Notice that. Having loved this present world. Why did he leave? Because he loved the present world. The world just drew him away and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. And the books, especially, notice that, especially the parchments. Notice his hunger hasn't wavered for the word. I love that. Alexander, the coppersmith, did me much harm. May the Lord, he, he does, you know, he was hurt. So what does he say? I hope he gets his. That's what he's saying. May the Lord repay him according to his works. And it says, you also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. And my first defense, no one stood with me, but all, forsake, all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Now, what do we see here? Look at this. In verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I love those words right there. And those are true in any aspect of life, is that the Lord, He stands by you as you go through the difficulties. And you can honestly say, you know, because the Lord is standing with you, that all things work together for good for those who are in Christ Jesus and the called according to His purpose. And just that very, just that, just that one sentence right there just strikes comfort in my heart, you know, enduring a time of pandemic, quote unquote, right? And, you know, in, enduring these lockdowns, enduring really opposition to, to our conservative voice and, and enduring opposition to the church. This is what brings me comfort in the very fact, and this, what helps, this is what helps me as a pastor endure is the fact that the Lord is standing with me and strengthening me. There's a, uh, if I could remember it correctly, there was a king in Africa, and he had a best friend that would prepare his guns for him when he would, and this king would go out and do target practice. And so his best friend would prepare uh, these guns for him. And so the king would go out and do target practice. And this one day... Um, 
uh, he went out and shot the gun and blew his thumb off. And his friend, anything that would take place, he always looked at the bright side of things. It's good, right? It's good. And it is good, right? And, and so the king blows his thumb off and he said, it is good, right? And the king says, no, it's not good. I blew my thumb off and you prepared the guns. And because of that, the king threw his best friend in jail. And so a year goes by and uh, the king goes out in, into the fields, into areas where he's not supposed to be. And there's a lot of uh, cannibalistic activity. And so the king is out there doing target practice and he ends up getting caught by these cannibals. And so they tie him up, they carry him to their camp or, you know, their, their tribe. They prepare the wood, they prepare the fire. And when they're about to tie him to the stake to prepare him, right, uh, they see that he lost his thumb. And they're very superstitious. And they don't eat anybody who is less than whole. And so what the cannibals ended up doing is they ended up letting him go. And so the king thinks about everything that just transpired. He's going back and he thinks to himself, what have I done? What have I done? I put my best friend in jail. And this whole situation, what happened to me, actually saved my life. So he goes to the jail where his best friend is at. And he sits in front of his best friend. And he says, I am so sorry for you being in jail all this time. And his best friend says, it is good. And it is good. It's okay. And the king says, no, it's not good. And his friend says, it is good. Because if I weren't here, I would have been with you. All things work together for the good, for those who are in Christ Jesus and those who are called according to his purpose. Man, and we think about this very aspect of of Paul the Apostle enduring, right? And he says, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And what, what beautiful way to end here, you know, just looking at this and looking at the very fact that, that the Lord stood with him in the most difficult and distressing probably uh, time in his life, knowing that he's about to, at this time, die. And things become a little bit more clearer, don't they, when we're in, at, at our lowest and, and experiencing the most difficult of times. It seems that things are more clear. And, and even for the apostle himself, things were becoming more clear to him. And nothing could be more clear to him than the fact that Jesus was with him and he was standing with him. And that he was with him in the fire, just like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And just like he's with us in these difficult days and experiencing opposition to our faith, opposition to the, to the, the very fabric of our, of our faith and church life and 
And, you know, we, we have extreme opposition today and, and we're concerned about our kids and the, the environment that they're growing up in. And we're concerned about school. I'm not so really concerned about the teachers. You know, I'm, I'm okay with the teachers, you know, but it's the students, it's the, the, the families and the things that they're exposed to. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, we never, we, we don't curse in the house. But Noah and Nehemiah, our, our boys, Noah, we have an ark builder and a, and a wall builder. So Noah and Nehemiah in our house, you know, they, they recognize these words and they'll shut them off. And they'll, they, they, they like, no, I'm, and we didn't teach them what these words are. They got it from school. This whole racial thing, we didn't, we, we never, I was never raised to see differences in anybody, you know? Michelle's best friend was black and, you know, I, I had a lot, most of my friends were black, you know, and I was hung around the jocks at school and never like, you know, you're different. But where did my kids learn that there were differences? In school. And with some of the subject matter that's being taught. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Lord, you know what? I'm so concerned with, with the environment today and what's going on today and but, but this I know, the way that you stood with me, the way that you stood with Paul, you're going to stand with my kids and they're going to learn how to lean upon you the way I learned how to lean upon you. And what God has entrusted to us as parents this evening, he's entrusted to us to pray and seek the Lord and to trust the Lord even the most difficult of times. And um, there was a pilot who, uh, I, I heard this the other day, who got his license and uh, he was flying in some real, like, you know, sketchy weather. And um, he was new to, to flying and he, this was kind of like his first flight by himself and he wasn't having a hard time. And uh, uh, he wasn't able to really depend completely on his instruments. He was, he was trying and, uh, the visibility was getting, uh, uh, shorter and shorter and, uh, being able, and, and all of a sudden he hears the voice over the radio and it's the, the watchtower. And they say, you know what? Stay on course. We'll guide you through. Remember everything that you learned in your instructions in your school and we'll take you through. And you just concentrate on, on what you've learned and we'll take care of the obstructions. And sure enough, the, the watchtower guided him safely to the, to the landing, uh, pad and he was safe. And sure enough, the, the men in the watchtower said that they took care of the obstructions. And I think it, I, I really think that today in, in our own walk with the Lord, nothing is different. We, we trust in the instruction that we're given in his word. We trust in the, the power of the Word of God, and we understand that God is true to His Word. And when we stay true to His Word, and we, we build our foundation upon the Word of God, God essentially does the very same thing that these guys in the command posts did for the pilot. God takes care of the obstructions. Lay aside every weight of sin and run with endurance the race that is set before you. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for the opportunity that you've given us to just sit at your feet. And Lord, you've uh, given us just a beautiful mission in, in the most difficult of days, Lord, that 
that I could ever remember in my lifetime. But Lord, when things are getting darker outside, we're shining brighter. And Lord, you haven't called us to so much concentrate and minister upon the Christian, but you've called us to go out into the world and to preach the word. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, give us opportunity and we pray, Lord, that your life in us would shine brighter and brighter and that we would apprehend the opportunities to speak life into somebody, to share your gospel, to, to share the hope that we have in our lives with those who have no hope. And Lord, there are so many people that have no hope. They're trusting in a government. They're, they're trusting in a mask. They're trusting in a vaccine. And we see that even people in the church are doing, doing it. And, and Lord, you've called us to trust and have faith in you. And we just thank you and we praise you for the opportunities that you give us to trust. And we know with all confidence that you are standing with us. And Lord, you're taking us through. We thank you and we praise you. We pray, Lord, that we would be counted worthy and that we would endure as Paul endured, as David endured, as Abraham endured. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would endure and fulfill the mission that you've called us to complete. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.